Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Well, we got Timothy Lyons on the call. Tim, I really appreciate your time. And uh, if you'd like to follow along or learn a little bit more, head over to citysidecap.com, where uh, he specializes in with some syndication and a few other things. But what's really crazy here is that Tim is a firefighter. Is it New York? Yeah, yes, sir. New York City. So you're a full-time fireman or is, is that kind of a part-time thing now? No, no, still full-time. Been doing it about 16 and a half years. But what's even crazier is that in a matter of how, how long has it been now, you've gone from three units to 721, unless this sheet I have in front of me is is out of date. Unfortunately, uh, JD, it's, it's, it's out, of, uh, out of date, right? So that's um, probably just north of 2,000 units uh, as of today. That is absolutely insane. So this has been done in a couple of years. Uh, just under two years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's insane. So I, I gotta, gotta ask, you know, being a firefighter, you, you are in a situation, it's, it's probably a decent job, risky job, but uh, there's gotta be pension 401k and, and some benefits there. What made you decide to get into real estate investing? Whoa. Well, yes, you are 100% right. Growing up, uh, a lot of my, you know, mentors and family members, you know, I grew up right, right outside of New York City in a town called Mineola, which is on Long Island. Um, and a lot of my, a lot of my mentors and, and family members always urged my brothers and I to take as many civil service exams as possible, whether it was the police, the fire department, um, you know, sanitation, it doesn't matter what it was. People just always said, you know, you can never go wrong because there's a pension, which is guaranteed for life. There's health benefits, there's major medical and dental, uh, 401ks, whatever it might be. Um, and in the back of my mind, I always thought they were a little bit crazy because I had aspirations to be a doctor, uh, a lawyer. I wanted to be something, you know, along those lines and, uh, went to college, got good grades, um, you know, and ended up just really, uh, I wasn't able to shake, uh, wanting to be a fireman, you know, cause that's what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. Uh, in fact, when Santa Claus bought a police scanner, uh, for me, when I was eight years old, I attached it to my bike and I used to ride around town following the fire engines, you know, wherever they may go. Um, and I wasn't able to shake it. And especially during nine 11, having been from the New York city area, uh, a ton of my friends, fathers or uncles or my neighbors, uh, including my own uncle, um, you know, was involved in in the World Trade Center, uh, you know, terror attacks. So he was my uncle was a, a firefighter. He was a captain. He was crushed under Tower Two, um, but he was actually pulled out alive, and it was deemed one of the last people pulled out alive. Um, he's still with us today, but he suffered you know horrific uh, injuries. But that really really turned me on to, I just, I made that decision in college. I said, I'm going to be a New York city firefighter, just watching those guys do that on 9-11. So that's what I did, you know, and, uh, graduated college two weeks later, I'm in the Academy. I'm living the dream. I'm a New York city fireman. I'm, uh, you know, I'm having so much fun. And what I found when I got to the firehouse as a young firefighter was that 
a lot of guys and girls um, had a side job or a side hustle um, or, a, you know, a second career, you know, or even small business owners. And I was blown away. I mean, you know, there were some, you know, really kind of wealthy firefighters out there. And, um, you know, my first firehouse, when I got there, there was a couple of guys who were nurses and they had the nice cars in the uh, in the firehouse driveway and their wives didn't work and they always had steady side work. So that's what I did. Um, you know, I like to joke around that I was pre-med for about 15 minutes in college <laughs> until I joined a fraternity um, and then, you know, became a nurse and life was good. But I really, after like, you know, eight, nine years of nursing on the side and having a couple of little kids, I felt very trapped by that W-2 grind. It started to dawn on me that, wait a minute. Uh, yes, the pension down the road is going to be nice. Yes, the benefits are nice. Um, I love what I do, but I felt very, very stuck. And I started to go down a path of financial education and uh, personal growth and development and really trying to you know, get clear on what it was that I was looking for and what, you know, what box wasn't being checked. And you know, that's kind of how I found my way into real estate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talking about a story there. So um, now you, you're partnering with your brother. Is that, that who you've uh, partnered with here? Yeah. So I have, I have two older brothers um, and I'm partnering with my middle brother, Greg. Sure. How's that working out, working and side by side with your brother like that? Uh, well, I think it's good. There's some distance in between us. Uh, he's down in Virginia. I'm obviously up here in New York. So uh, no, I'm like it. Uh, it's been great. It's been awesome. You know, being able to, you know, start a business, you know, not knowing, you know, where it's going to lead us, not having the blueprint, not having the certainty um, that say a, uh, a W-2 job provides and going through that process with your brother, you know, it, it's just been, it's been a phenomenal journey. Sure. Well, it, are you, you mentioned before we hit record that you're going to be starting a podcast of your own. Is, is uh, your brother going to be part of that or is it just you? Yeah, no, he sure is. It's going to be called the Passive Income Brothers Podcast, and uh, that's actually going live this week. And um, it's been one of those things that we've been, you know, talking about doing for a long time, and just never, you know, got off the ground. But we finally got our act together, and we're super excited to uh, to launch this thing. And it's really just, you know, um, we're trying to bring on people with inspiring stories. You know, kind of like just just like us, right? We're just regular two like two regular joes right but we're making it happen and uh so far we've had some phenomenal people come come on and uh can't wait to get started yeah so let's let's uh take a moment there and and his podcast is probably live right now so why don't you go and take a hit pause on this episode and go into your uh podcasting app and uh subscribe to his show quick let let's uh throw some attention his way and uh, like and subscribe, and and not only that, but leave a quick review, and uh, so that uh, him and his team can get a little traction on this podcast. Because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great content. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you. So, with that, you know, uh, one of the things that I find really interesting is is how quickly you've went from just a handful of units to you said over two thousand now. I mean that that's insane in two year period. What kind of mindset shift did you have to go through, and what would you? How would you advise people making that mindset change in order to accomplish this this Herculean task? Oh boy! I mean, look. I mean, I grew up in a pretty modest uh, household, right? Um, 
And I really kind of think that, you know, my money mindset was very rooted in that scarcity. What I now know is the scarcity versus abundance mindset. Um, I think there's no, uh, it's no shock that I chose to do two W2 jobs, two very safe, secure, pay me every two weeks, trade my time for money, standard jobs. Um, that I didn't go down the entrepreneurial, you know, uh, route, you know, out of the gate, because I really didn't know, you know, that that was even available to me. I just I, that that was something that some, you know, other people did, not something that you know me or my brother would do. Um, so really, kind of, I had to, you know, kind of just go on this little personal journey and say, you know, well, you know, if other people can do it, you know, uh, so can I. There's absolutely no reason why I can't do it. And as I was going through that journey, listening to different podcasts and reading different books, I kept on, you know, hearing basically the same story over and over again with different characters attached to the stories. And they were everyday people and they were making it happen. And I was super inspired by that. So, um, you know, once I think I became defiantly committed to, to doing something uh, along these lines, you know, everything started to kind of fall into place. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of interesting that you say uh, it's it's the same story, but with different characters. That's really the truth, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's amazing how many people have had to go through their that personal journey, as you mentioned, and uh, make these determinations on your own. You, you can't convince people of anything. They almost have to find discover it on their own. No, that's 100% the truth. And you know, it's not easy, right? Because I think when you come from a place like where I was coming from, you you needed that certainty, and you really didn't want to have that, uh, you know, take that risk and strike out, and then you know, you be beating yourself up for it. But if you don't take that risk and you don't try to strike out, uh, you know, then you'll never know what's on the other side of that, you know, that that action step. Um, and I think it took a lot for me to kind of get up to that point and then cross over the line. But then, you know, once I crossed the line, you know, my brother Greg saw what I was doing and he got inspired. So he joined me. Um, and then we haven't looked back, you know, and it sounds crazy. You know, you're probably sitting there saying, you know, this, there's no way this kid has, uh, you know, a general partnership in $300 million of multifamily assets and north of 2000 units in under two years. But, I'm, I'm more than happy to jump into that because it was, you know, not only making that choice, it was building out that mindset. And then it was really building a team and getting educated and finding a mentor and surrounding yourself with a mastermind, you know, um, of, of like-minded folks who were doing the thing that I wanted to do, uh, that I wanted to model myself after. And they were all too willing to, to support me on that journey. Yeah. So you, you mentioned finding a mentor. Uh, once you decided you were going to go down this path, how did you find your mentor and, and uh, how to uh, talk about that process and, and what it did for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, just for, to make a long story short, I, you know, after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, the summer of 19 on a family vacation on the beach, I decided to become a real estate investor that, right then and there. Had no idea how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. Four months later, I'm closing on a three-family rental property. And I really wanted that experience. I wanted to be a landlord. I wanted to be the guy. I And I'm not very handy, but I wanted to do the renovations. I wanted to, you know, uh, figure all, all that, you know, out because I wanted to be a real estate investor. What I found after maybe about three to six months that the cash flow was coming in, 
Uh, we put a new roof, new siding, renovated one of the units with help, of course, um, is that it wasn't moving the needle uh, as, 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 as far as I was looking for the needle to be moved. And I know it was a very short time frame, but I had a big idea about what I wanted to do. And I wanted to find a process that was going to be scalable and repeatable and rinse and repeat. And I had a limited budget, you know, and all of a sudden I said to myself, you know, I keep on hearing these people on podcasts talking about multifamily, but it seemed very confusing to me. It seemed like something that other people did, you know, cap rates, net operating income, above the line, below the line, uh, economic vacancy, physical, you know, it it was all these things. And I'm saying, you know, what are these guys talking about, right? Underwriting and spreadsheets. And I'm like, wow, Mike, that's for private equity guys on Wall Street. That's not for guys like me until... I just started hearing story after story. And I said, you know, there's something to this. And the the common denominator was that people had a coach or people had a mentor or people, you know, worked for free for a year or two for, you know, a successful multifamily operator. And at the time, you know, working for free wasn't probably wasn't going to be the way I was going to do it because I wasn't moving to, you know, Texas or Florida or the Carolinas or Georgia. Uh, I had three little girls under the age of like eight, um, you know, so that was going to be a hard conversation with my wife to move. Um, so it was really came down to coaching and mentorship. And when I first scratched the surface of mentorship, I had some big time, big time limiting beliefs. I mean, uh, I always joke that I have a healthy dose of skepticism baked into my DNA. I'm like, you know, how am I going to pay twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars to a coach? When I can take that money and go buy another three family, a four family, a six unit, whatever. Um, it just didn't make sense until all of a sudden it made sense. I just, I finally just started calling these coaches and seeing what they were all about. And then I would kind of stalk some of their students on social media and reach out to them, say, hey, can I grab a call? You know, uh, hey, what's your experience like in that coaching program? What is it like? What do you, you know, what's the return on investment kind of thing? I was probably asking all the wrong questions, but I needed some, some clarity. You know, what was, what was, what was the process going to be like? And, you know, I have to say that I would be nowhere near where I am today had I not joined the coaching program that I joined. I think it collapsed my timeframes by a decade or more. Um, it introduced me to some outstanding people in the space. And, you know, because of all that, I was able to build out Cityside Capital to what it is today. Well, you know, one of the things that I think you you just said, I don't know if I was asking the right questions. I think you were asking the questions that nobody else is willing to ask. You asked what was my re- return on investment? What that and that's actually what people should be considering. The uh I know that when it comes to mentorship, some of those dollar amounts are o- almost overwhelming. But if you if you take in that's the one question that I think a lot of people miss that you naturally went to is what is you're asking these previous students what it, what has been your ROI and that's that's huge if anybody gets anything out of this episode I think that is probably the big key one right there. Well, you know, I think we've all been guilty, or maybe I, I shouldn't generalize like that, but I, I've certainly been guilty of you know, shiny object syndrome, right? You get an email, hey, $47, $97, $495, three easy payments of whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, why don't I do that, right? And for 97 bucks, if I never get to that course, 
ah, man, I lost a hundred bucks. And that is terrible because I hate losing money. Um, you know, but I'm not really like my feet weren't really held to the fire. You write a $20,000 check or it's a $50,000 check or whatever. Believe me, you're going to be on those calls. You're going to be rifling through that material. You're going to be not only on the calls, you're going to be scheduling, you know, tens of uh, or hundreds of more calls uh, because now you're kind of, you're invested, dude, right? You have to make that happen or else you just made a big, big financial mistake. Um, and so that, that was kind of my mindset going into it. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it 110% and I'm going to maximize my knowledge and everything. And, you know, I have a little bit of an interesting story. When I got started with the mentorship, it was March, basically March 1st of 2020. And as we know, we were kind of watching COVID over overseas, right? In Italy, they were kind of showing on the nightly news that people were hanging out of their balconies, singing songs in the streets, and they're all quarantined. And we're like, what's going on in Italy, right? What's going on in uh, China? And three weeks later, you know, uh, it was on our shores and we're all locked down. Um, I, I work in a very poor neighborhood in, in Queens, in New York City, and uh, with a lot of immigrants and it spread like wild COVID spread like wildfire. And all we did was CPR for 24 hours at a time and nobody was making it. You know, usually we get one person back, you know, every once in a while, nobody was making it. Everybody's dying. There's refrigerated trucks outside the hospitals. And I had a brand new baby at home and my wife and I decided that I should move out of the house and move into my mother-in-law's house. And my mother-in-law moved into my house to take care of my you know, kids with my wife. And for eight weeks, I had no physical contact with my kids or my family. And because uh, we just didn't know, we didn't know what was going on. you know. And at the time I was still a nurse in the ER. Uh, that was my side job. Um, you know, and I could have, you know, I could have been in a really tough spot, but what I did was because I had written that check, because I was a part of this brand new program, I rifled through the material. I mean, I became obsessed with multifamily. I, I, I became obsessed with underwriting. I started calling brokers in the middle of COVID. I mean, the country's locked down. You can't even go to the local 7-Eleven for a cup of coffee, right? Or else the cops are going to stop you. And I'm calling brokers talking about multifamily and introducing myself. I'm calling you know local lenders in the Southeast, you know, introducing myself. And I was probably, I wish I had, I honestly, I wish I had those calls recorded because I probably sounded terrible. But I had to get the work in. I had to get the reps in, and I had to get that 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 confidence and that clarity. And within a matter of days, I was getting brokers to email me properties. Uh, they were probably probably the duds of the group, but it didn't matter to me. I was getting my reps in. I was, you know, bringing my coaches some material to work on, and you know, that I really credit those eight weeks, almost nine weeks with really kind of giving me the jet fuel to, to get started. Uh, and, and I really kind of credit that time in my life as, you know, the reason why we are where we are today. You know, um, one of the, I was going to ask you about this massive action that you took, you know, you read, you read rich dad, poor dad on, on vacation. You immediately decided that you're going to be a real estate investor. You, during COVID you're, you're seeing a lot of these COVID infected people, you you take action right away in order to uh, protect your family. You you seem to be wired to just, you make up your mind and you take immediate action. Is this something that has just been natural for you? Or is this something that you've, you've forced yourself to do? And if, and if uh, the, the reason I ask is because I'm sure 
with your masterminds and a few other places that you've been networking, it seems like there's a lot of people in analysis paralysis. They're just kind of stuck. Whereas you seem to be going the opposite direction. You've just, you make your decisions and you go. Well, you know, there's a lot in that. Um, there's a lot in that. So, you know, what I, what I realized and when I was, you know, feeling stuck in the W2 and when I say stuck, I love being a New York city firefighter. People ask me all the time, how come you haven't retired yet? You're killing it in real estate. I'm not nearly ready. I love going to work, you know? Um, and I retired from the hospital two years ago, but when I felt stuck, it was because yes, my bills were getting paid. Yes. I was putting money into my 401k. Well, what, you know, what we call a 457. Um, yes. I took my family on one or two vacations a year. Um, you know, we were comfortable, but at the same time, there was just no feeling of like building wealth. You know, there was no feeling of, uh, you know, if I stopped trading my time for money, then this show stops, you know? Um, so when I felt like that and my kids are starting to get a little older right now, I mean, now they're 10, eight and two, um, you know, when they were little and I was, you know, working a ton of hours, 70, 80, 90, 100 hour weeks sometimes with the overtime and picking up shifts and, you know, they didn't say anything and because they were too little, right? And I missed them terribly, but they they didn't really notice, I guess, you know, but then when they got to be a little older and they're crying as I'm coming home and leaving or home, you know, away for three or four days at a time, you know, that wears on you and it wears on you quickly. Um, and what I realized was that nobody was coming to save me. You know, nobody was coming to, you know, uh, help me figure something out. And, um, you know, as I started the financial education, you know, journey through podcasting and reading books and audiobooks, you know, um, there's a saying out there that, you know, savers are losers and debtors are winners and that you can't save your way to wealth. And, you know, that just led me to become, you know, uh, really interested in macroeconomics and, you know, taxes and real estate and, you know, financial management tools. And, you know, it just became almost like an, almost like an obsession. And because of that, I was never a morning person yet. Now I'm up at four thirty-five in the morning, you know, getting a couple of hours of work in before the kids wake up. Um, you know, if you would have told me a couple of years ago, this would have happened. I would have thought you were crazy, you know? Um, but it was, you know, having that pain point of no one's coming to save me, you know, you know, savers are losers, debtors are winners. I have to figure out how to make that happen for me. Um, you know, how do I use good debt? How do I get into real estate? How do I get cash flow? You know, um, the difference between cash flow and appreciation and having maybe both at the same time, like, you know, saving more on your taxes, keeping more of what you earn. Like everything was kind of coming together for me at one time. And it was really exciting. So I was I was moving away from a pain point. I was moving towards uh, something that was really exciting. Um, and then, as you know, you know, real estate and commercial real estate, uh, especially, um, is a team sport. You know, and that's probably the next chapter of, of maybe even this talk is I had to find my spot on the team. You know, I had to find out. You know, where am I sitting on the bench? Because you can't do it by yourself. And that was another growing point. Uh, you know, uh, a point of growth, I should say, in my journey was that I wanted to do everything by myself. You know, I'm just kind of built like that, I guess. And when I got around these people who were doing the thing that I wanted to do and my mentors and my coaches, you know, it's very clear that you need to build out a great team to be successful. Right. Well, you know, multifamily has, I've mentioned this time and time again, when we get into real estate investing, it seems like multifamily is 
aspirational. You know, it's something that it's like you're, we're playing a real world version of Monopoly. Everybody starts to collect the single family homes and then they move to the duplexes and triplexes. And then we can trade up to the multifamily eventually. But you jumped in like almost immediately. But with your experience with the triplex and, and a few other deals before this, what, uh, how has that transition been? And, and would you suggest people just jump into multifamily right away? And is, is it possible? Is this just another mindset thing? Yeah. I mean, I think it's um, everyone's journey is going to be a little different and it's all about what you kind of want and, you know, what you're good at and what kind of value you could bring to a team and, you know, where you are geographically, you know, are you in a, a high growth, you know, MSA that people want to invest in, or are you like me in the Northeast and people don't generally want to, you know, invest in, you know, non-landlord friendly states. You know, what I would say is that it's easier for me to say now, uh, having been on the you know one to four unit space, and then you know uh, kind of graduating, if you will, to the multifamily space. That if I had it to if I had it to do all over again, I would start in the multifamily space because if you can do a two or a four unit, you can do a twenty or a forty unit or a hundred units. Um, it's really kind of just um, it's the same game on a bigger scale. And if you can figure out how, what the rules of the game are from one to four units, you can certainly figure out what the rules of the game are for five and above. Sure. So uh, when you were uh, talking about, let's go back to the masterminds. Uh, are you a part of a lot of masterminds and what are the benefits have you found there? So I'm a part of, uh, you know, I would say three mastermind type groups. Um, when, again, if you told me two and a half years ago, before I started this, that I'd be doing that, I would have told you that you were probably crazy. Uh, but here I am. And, you know, it's no secret that once I started joining these groups and aligning myself with these people, that I started getting opportunities to invest in multifamily and to join, you know, other partnerships and, you know, really learn in an organic fashion, how to do this business. You know, how do you get a property under contract? How do you underwrite it? Uh, what is what is the due diligence process like? You know, how do you work with a, pro, uh, a preferred equity group? You know, I mean, all these things um, kind of came rapid fire because I was a part of these groups. Um, and then just networking. I mean, there's it sounds so cliche. You know, your network is your net worth, but it's it's honestly the it's the truth. You know. Uh, being being around people uh, that are like minded and who are trying to make it happen, um, and having those organic relationships. I mean, I just got back from a conference in October uh, from Orlando, um, which I actually I spoke in front of 800 people. I mean, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal conference. It was the first conference I've ever gone to for real estate, um, and I, I knew so many people there from the Zoom calls, right? And people from all over the world came into this conference. And I'm able to shake hands and give hugs and, you know, uh, go to dinner. And, you know, it's just, it's so satisfying being a part of like a mastermind and, and being supported by these people and in turn supporting others. Um, and then, you know, through that process, that's when these deals get done. And that's how you just grow and grow your unit count and grow your assets um, and really kind of work towards your goals. But, you know, in a large part together. Right. No, that that's that's great to hear. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. And I was I was in the exact same boat. The 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 concept, some of this 
I, I thought a lot of this stuff was just a bunch of hokum. You know, this whole mindset thing was just crazy talk. You know, the, how, how could that think, think yourself, think and grow rich type mentality just didn't make yes. any sense to me. And now I'm all in. I mean, there's, there's, there is a lot of power there, especially no when you have the opportunity to surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Uh, it really is a boost. You know, it's, it's powerful. Like, so for example, um, you know how much I love the fire, fire department. And we always talk about the firehouse in a very fond manner, but you know, around the firehouse, firehouse kitchen table, you might hear guys talk about the pension system or, you know, how to work, you know, more overtime so that your pension can, you know, grow. Or, you know, if you stay an extra five years, you can get X amount more in your pension. And like, that's really the conversation that's going on, although it is changing, I must say, um, with some of the, you know, the millennials that have kind of come onto the job and they just have a different mindset altogether and are more technology based and willing to take those risks where, you know, the old timers are built, you know, a little differently, you know, very kind of old school. Um, but you know, there's really not a lot of talk about tax strategy or, you know, um, LLCs or, you know, uh, bonus depreciation or, you know, underwriting, you know, at the, at that table. And I'm not taking anything away from those guys at the best and I love them. Um, but when you kind of grow into a different group and you surround yourself with the, you know, people who are talking about those things and here's how I did it. And here's how my business is set up and here's how I got my start. And you start to learn from these people. I mean, it's, it's incredible the growth that can occur. And that's really where, you know, my success has, uh, has come from. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's just so good to hear. And, and I, I can't iterate, reiterate that enough that the, being around like-minded individuals and being part of these type of groups is, is I, I really, I really struggle with the fact that a lot of people just frankly don't see this type of thing, you know, because a lot of the better mastermind networks are going to charge you money again and mm -hmm. getting a mentor. Some of those mentors are going to charge you money, but to take a moment and realize that this is an investment as much as buying a multifamily home there's a there's a return on investment that needs to be calculated and in you'd be surprised it's probably i'm sure you could put some kpis around this but there's it's probably going to be the biggest return on that capital than anything else that you can invest in uh, um with without question without question people ask me all the time if i lost everything you know today what would be the first thing i would start doing tomorrow and i kind of answer that question with I would find, you know, money and I would go join one of these groups again, you know, uh, just to get myself back in the door, you know, um, that would, I wouldn't buy an asset first or anything. <laughs> I would, I would get myself back into the group because that's where the, uh, that's where the magic happens. Sure. So, you know, earlier you talked about when you first started real estate investing, you, uh, you wanted to pretty much do and experience everything. So whether it was doing the rehabs, you're not a handyman, but you were going to do it anyway. And a few other things. Now that you're going into the multifamily, you've already talked about building a team. What mm -hmm. was it like to start letting some of those reins go and trusting your team? Well, uh, what you find out very quickly is you have to ask who and not how, right? There's so many people out there with expertise uh, above and beyond what you're capable of doing. And when you put the right 
you know, uh, players in the right spot uh, at the right price, you know, you can get so much more done in a smaller amount of time, which can lead to, you know, outsized returns. Right. So, you know, once I learned that formula, it, it made so much more sense. And, you know, to be quite honest, like, I'm so happy that I had the, you know, landlord experience. I actually just sold that property um, at the 24 month mark. Uh, decided to test the market. Uh, I'm not. I, it wasn't in a cash flow. I, it wasn't in a appreciation market. It was in a cash flow market, and I tested the water and I was able to get an insane price for the house. So I, I you know, I sold it. Um, so that was that was a great lesson. That was a great educational experience. But being a landlord can be very tough. Um, you know, uh, it's a. It was a. It was a. You know, two hour round trip. You know, by the time I got there, did what I had to do, went to the store, went back to the house, you know, did whatever, back home, battling traffic, whatever. You know, it wasn't that far away, but it seemed like it was a it was a hassle, right? Big snowstorm, big snowstorm coming, making sure, you know, originally I was doing the shoveling, but then I, you know, I got smart, right? And I started paying somebody to do it. It was all that stuff that I needed to learn. I needed to learn all that stuff. I wanted to do that stuff. I wanted to know what it felt like. But now with multifamily, with professional property management in place, um, you know, the professionals who know how to do all the things that the property needs to run efficiently and effectively and to, to maximize your net operating income, you know, um, that's who I trust, right? So now, that's, that's now the new teammate is the property managers and the asset managers. Um, so that's the beauty of that's the beauty of multifamily and when i got started in this you know two short years ago i didn't even really know what syndication meant i didn't know what passive investing meant really and how it worked because i to be totally honest and transparent it almost sounded too good to be true right how could you possibly just, you know write a check to somebody and then buy yourself some cash flow and you know and then all of a sudden it depreciates or refis and you know it, it just sounded like you know almost like pie in the sky to me but then being on the other side and, you know, my first deal was a 43 unit with uh, my coach, um, you know, and that was a syndication. It opened up my eyes to the power of, you know, uh, using investors, you know, and providing them with a, a deal and providing them with a, a solid return on their investment and how powerful, you know, grouping, you know, um, you know, investors together to buy these properties was. And that's that's really where I took off. You know, uh, the first deal turned into deals two and three. And before you knew it, I had over 300 units in like a few months. And Greg and I had, you know, really come to a crossroads and say, to say like, you know, what, what is our strong point? What's our superpower? You know, where are we going to add value to the team? And because of where we are in New York, um, you know, and our, our networks and Greg played college basketball and now he lives down in Virginia. He has a whole different network down there. Uh, he's lived all across the country. You know, raising capital came kind of um, natural to us. Uh, we kind of fell in love with the process of raising capital, with investor relations, um, with really kind of networking with people. And, you know, but we wanted to do it in a in a legal, squared away way. So Greg and I decided to take our Series 82 and our Series 63 uh, exams and we aligned ourselves with a broker dealer that's uh, specifically focused on multifamily and self-storage, you know, syndicate uh, syndications. 
And, you know, that was like the, it was like almost like it was too good to be true for us. Like that's exactly what we were looking for. And because of that, that's, you know, precisely the reason we've been able to scale up so quickly is because, you know, we're part of the team and uh, we take care of the asset man. I mean, excuse me, the investor relations and the capital raise on the equity side. Um, and that's how we've been able to grow. Yeah. That's, that's another exercise that I think a lot of people should do is what you just suggested there is, is uh, taking an assessment of your own skill set, what you're actually good at, and focus on that, and and find those pieces to to kind of fill in the puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we were not going to be the boots on the ground. We weren't going to be the asset managers, having no experience, um, and we weren't going to be the underwriters. You know, we weren't going to be underwriting twenty million dollar deals out of the gate. Although we could, you know, I'm not sure how how great that underwriting would have been. Um, but you know what? We just um, and 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 again, Greg might have moved to a different you know location, but I I really don't have the luxury of doing that. Um, so it really kind of fit our needs to to do the capital side of the equation, um, you know. And it wasn't easy taking those exams and and studying and everything, but it was so worth it because it fit into our model, you know. You know now because I think you said it before. You know, there's a lot of analysis paralysis out there, right? When you have to do something by yourself, it could be overwhelming. And you could say, you know what? That was a really good idea, but I'm just too scared. I don't know what I don't know. So therefore, a confused mind is going to say no. And I'm going to take my ball and go home and, and say, you know, I'm going to go back to the stock market like everybody else, you know, so no one can tell me at a party that what I'm doing is risky. And, um, and so I think what we've kind of done at Cityside Capital is to, is to kind of take all that feeling like I just talked about and try to just erase it for the investor, you know, by doing the due diligence on the, on the operator, uh, by vetting the operators, vetting the deals as they come through, um, you know, using third-party legal uh, and due diligence firms to, you know, vet some of these processes. And, you know, by the time we deliver an email to the investor saying, hey, we have a deal, you know, they know now that, you know, this has gone through, you know, several due diligence cycles before it ever hit their inbox. And I think on some level, you know, when you do a group investment like that with other people and you have somebody like Greg and I to, to call, like it just makes people feel better, right? Like you took mm-hmm. the hard work off our plate. Um, we know we should be in real estate, uh, but our financial advisor only recommended a real estate investment trust, you know, because that's what they get compensated on. Uh, they never said anything about a private placement. Uh, they never said anything about getting our own single family or duplex, triplex, because that's too risky. Um, so it's really an exciting time to kind of be sitting in, sitting in our seats. Yeah, no, that's really, that's really interesting. So again, citysidecap.com, uh, make sure to uh, check out their new podcast. It should be available now. And, uh, you know, I, I, it looks like we're we're probably kind of coming to the end of our our time together here, but this was a great conversation. I'd love to have you back on again because I'd love to understand like some of your due diligence and and even to the point of how you're picking your property managers and and a few other things. Uh, that could be a, a show in itself. But again, sure. uh, citysidecap.com. And but before I let you go, is there a question it's you wished I would have asked you here today? Oh man, I got to put you on the spot. That's a, that's a really hard question. That's like the hardest question. I thought you were going to ask me my favorite book or something. Um, no, I mean, look, well, I, we I can, can change it about, up on you if you want. 
What's your no, favorite no, book? No, no, <laughs> no. I, I, I can talk about real estate um, all day long. And that's the beauty of it. Like, because once you understand it and once you know the rules of the game, it's very easy to talk about. It's very easy to, you know, uh, have these conversations. So, um, you know, I just want to thank you for your time. And obviously the, the favorite book was just like everybody else, the risk dad, poor dad, but that's really the, the idea, uh, book, uh, the tactic and the, how to, how to implement book is called the cash flow quadrant. And that's his, uh, his next book after that, Robert Kiyosaki. So, uh, th- those are my two favorite, but, uh, but no, thanks for having me on. It's been a great conversation. I'd love to come back and, and chat about whatever you want to uh, get into next. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you're welcome back anytime. So again, it is citysidecap.com. Thanks again. This was great. Awesome. Thank you. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.